And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I'm I'm not sure you're so much into the sports betting realm, but gambling got legalized in in Kansas this year, and I am not doing well through seven weeks as we approach the, the bye week here. Well, that's why I don't do it, because I don't want to have to make yeah. that statement. I'm not doing well through seven That weeks. is a life lesson <laughs> that I have learned very quickly the hard way. But the Chiefs are doing well, right? Five yes. and two yes. after a shellacking, is what I called it on Twitter, a 44-23 to 23 win in San Francisco over the 49ers. The 49ers denied their revenge game from Super Bowl 54. John, your immediate reaction to, to that game? Well, I, I I think the overnight uh, the 49ers may have been a little bit overrated. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Um, I mean, you not know, not the number one that, defense in the league. Then you're saying. Well, no, no I, I don't. I think just a little bit. I don't think they were a bad defense. I, I don't think they have a bad defense. I don't think the Chiefs put up a lot of points yesterday because the 49 the 49ers don't have a good defense. I'm just thinking it wasn't quite as good as it was being made out to be. Wow. And I bought into it too. You know, I said it'd be a low scoring game. So, you know, I'm I'm as dumb as everybody else is. So you know what agreed with you, John, was the 40 burger they dropped on the yeah. 49ers. <laughs> Almost got to 49 against the 49ers. There's 44 points for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes yesterday here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show today. There's no Andy Reid. We have no Andy Reid until next Monday. The Chiefs have have went dark as as they call it. And what Andy will typically do here is let the players go and enjoy the time off. And I, I think that's a smart thing. The, the Chiefs players themselves, these guys that are in their 20-somethings, need to be smart with the time off as well. That's that's important. But we will not hear from Andy Reid until next Monday. So we are wiping that clean from the show pretty soon here. We will do our marinated takeaways in segment one. So what a come up for marinated takeaways. Used to be in the last segment. Things have happened. Changes have happened on the fly. And now it is segment one for this show. Segment two, we'll do our week in review news roundup, make some comments on some news around the team. And then segment three, because this is the bye week, we will have a quick roundtable. We'll bring Steve Serta in, and we're going to ask one burning question that we each have. And guys, I have prepared three questions because I know we think alike, and I wanted to make sure that I had (laughs) fresh questions uh, for this particular segment. Before we do that, we have one review in from... Longtime Arrowhead Pride reader for a while now, Clint McKenzie, chimed in on Apple iTunes. I truly enjoy each and every podcast in this feed. They each offer a unique listening experience, but all add the enjoyment of my Chiefs fandom. My favorite is the editor show. Pete and John bring very different things to the show, but they enmesh particularly well to impart both information and enjoyment to the listener. I thank you all for your diligent work on behalf of Chiefs Kingdom. Be safe. Be well. Be blessed, John. So we're finally wow. somebody's favorite, nice. which is which is a a good thing. Okay, so we need to get into our marinated takeaways, and we can't do that unless we hit our marinated takeaway music. Well, I'm gonna let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt, react. Adapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. One of the great new things to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show is the world-famous marinated takeaway intro. And typically, we're, we come out of a commercial, so I, I don't usually have to throw to it. But what a unique show we got for you today. 
this is going to be probably a, a fun edition of Marinated Takeaway simply because the Chiefs played particularly well in the fourth quarter yesterday to blow out the San Francisco 49ers. John, as we do each and every week, we will start with you. What do you got for us? I'm going to start with a statistical nugget that I discovered this morning. Okay. Since Patrick Mahomes has been the starter, oh, excuse yeah. me, that's not right. Oh. Uh, in the entire history of the franchise, excuse me, there have been 16 games where there has been 529 yards of offense or more, the number the Chiefs put up yesterday. 16 games over, what is it, 61, 62 years now? A couple of years. 61, now. I guess, yeah. Five of those games have been with Patrick Mahomes. So almost a third of them have been since 2018. That's wild. None of those were in 2021 with Tyreek Hill on the field for the Whoa. Kansas City Chiefs. Two of them were in 2018 and then one each in 2019 and 2021, 2020. Shout out so, to Adam Sandler because that is an uncut gem right there. Yeah. So no, that, I thought that was very interesting. Well, it's telling for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and let me make sure this is not in my marinated takeaways. Yeah, it's not. So this is just a bonus. <laughs> I think the Chiefs have taken a few games to get used to having to win this way. And it was really timely and nice for Chiefs fans that this all clicked right before the bye. Because you can go into the bye. I, I know that we'll, we'll be looking at that Colts game for a while. Sure. They should not yeah. have lost that game. I know that fans are unhappy that they lost to the Buffalo Bills. That being said, five and two into the bye week is not so terrible. And I, I think the offense is really coming into fruition. And that leads me to my first marinade takeaway. And that is this, John, is Andy Reid and Greg Lewis, the running backs coach, listen to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show because it wasn't too long ago <laughs> that I told you guys that Isaiah Pacheco was the best first and second down running back on this team. And they finally listened to me, kind of. Right, because he did get the first touch, so he is technically the quote-unquote starter. I don't know if there's a very real starter on this team. I, I think it was a concerted effort to get him carries because they were getting to the end of games, and you would look at the play sheet or the stat sheet, and he was only getting one or two touches. And for a guy that runs really hard and looks like he can do some damage in the NFL, I think they wanted to make a concerted effort. What I found weird about it is if you're going to make him the running back who touches the ball first, Maybe you should have a different kick returner. And and I know immediately there's people out there that are like that are like, well, he had what that fifty plus yard return mm-hmm. in, in right. the second half. But my point is, yeah, when he makes that return and he breaks that off, then he cannot be the first running back who touches the football. And then people will say, Well, Clyde Edwards Elaire ran for a sixteen yard touchdown. I get all that. But if you're gonna make the move, it's just a little odd to keep him as the kick returner when you do have other options on the team, I wonder, and Andy Reid and his staff go through this every year where they have some introspection during this week. There's a lot of self-scouting. So the players get the week off to my knowledge, and then the coaches get half the week off. So the first three days here, like us, we're working about half the week, John, you're, you're evaluating the the team and, and seeing, seeing what you have um, and, and trying to change things. And I just wonder if they come out of this and say, okay, if Isaiah Pacheco is going to be our RB one, maybe someone else would be better off taking the return. But I, I like the change. I just think it's the, the best north and south running back on this team. I know some people would say Jarek McKinnon. I disagree respectfully. I like that Pacheco's getting an opportunity here. And I think the more volume he gets, you're going to see why he is, is the right pick for this team. Well, you've led right into my second takeaway, Perfect. which is that uh, that I think that 
the Chiefs were fooling around with us on Sunday by putting out that that story out there that uh, Pacheco would be the starter. Obviously, it came from the team. Um, and I, I think they did that because of all the press the 49ers were getting about how much they were going to play Christian McCaffrey. And I think the Chiefs said, okay, fine. Then you're going to have to think about something that you weren't planning on going into this game, and that would be for this different running back to be the starter. Now, look, anybody who thought that Pacheco was going to get 70 or 80% of the snaps because he was the starter in this game was fooling themselves. As it turned out, it was running back by committee, just as it always has always been. I think they were like one snap apart. Uh, He and Edwards Allaire were like one snap apart on the game. So uh, I think that I think you're making a good point, Pete. I I don't I I, I'm not just going to say I disagree with you. Um, I think they might have wanted to see uh, what Pacheco could do with more snaps and making him the starter was one way to make sure that would happen Mm -hmm. because it hadn't been. Let's be clear that he hadn't been getting games with a lot of snaps. But I think there was also some gamesmanship going on. I agree with part of your point, and I, I disagree with the other. The part of where I agree with is that it's still a running back by committee. And it's a scenario where if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is playing well, he's going to stay in the game. I don't think he's, his role is getting completely wiped out. We didn't we saw that yesterday. He's still going to be you know, part, of the, right. part, of, mm-hmm. part of the plan. I think they're giving Isaiah Pacheco the first crack to be the hot end now, which feels right. I, you know, at some point, you got to throw out the draft picks and the age and just go by what you sure. feel you have yeah. there. And I think they're yeah. doing that. The part I disagree yeah. with is I think it came from the agent. I, I just, I don't know the rhyme or reason why the chiefs would want this part out of it. I, I know what you're saying about CMC. I, I think it probably started with the, this is what I think. I think it probably started with the agent who said, look at my seventh round running back as a starter for the NFL team after seven games. I'm sure Ian Rappaport, who's really good at this, confirmed it with the team and they were happy to confirm it. But I just I can't figure out. And I was trying to figure it out why the Chiefs would want this out there so early. They don't care about headlines typically. So the fact that CMC was getting all this attention, I'm sure Andy Reid felt like was a good thing in a way. So I don't know. That's a part of it that we'll never know. But that was my thought on it. It is like I don't I don't think this was necessarily something the Chiefs wanted out. But I, I think this is a way to for the agent to kind of brag on the national stage. And because fantasy football is so big, this was a major national story. Whereas mm-hmm. when fantasy football was not popular, I don't know how much this would have mattered, but it, it, just, it just changes the game having right. fantasy football as part of the, <laughs> the league. Uh, all right, let's go to my next Meredith takeaway, and I will go to the my punt, my punt returner point, which I know is going to tick you off, John. But oh boy, uh, Nicole Hardman needs to be the punt returner, and it isn't just it doesn't just come down to these muff punts. It doesn't, and it's a point that I made in, with. Tyree Kill on the team. You've probably, if you if you're a longtime listener to the editor show, I was I've always been a proponent of your best returner being the returner, despite what they do on offense. I think there's three prongs to this about McCole Hardman being the punt returner. A stability does come into it. It's part of it. Sky Moore and I know this ended up being a 44 to 23 game, but at the time, I mean, this could have been disastrous again. And this mm-hmm. is a better team yeah. than the Indianapolis Colts. And it could have changed the whole game. And, and the Chiefs were fortunate that it didn't. And they're fortunate that Jimmy G stinks and threw an absolute quacker into the air, into Jalen Watts' hands a couple plays later. But 
the stability there. McCole Hardman, typically, I know he muffed butt last game, and, but he picked it up and it ended up almost being a touchdown. But uh, <laughs> he, stability there, your, your most experienced punt runner, your best punt returner. I think there's just fear in kicking to McColl. Same thing that I, I explained with, with Tyree Kill last year, and this is why it would always drive me nuts that they wouldn't do it more often. You saw Tyree Kill there. Same thing with McColl Hardman back there. You're going to make a concerted effort to kick away from him, whether that be out of bounds, do a short kick, a long kick, whatever you got to do. And when there's additional things that a punter is thinking about, better chance of him absolutely shanking it. And so for me, I just like the idea of having fear back there uh, as opposed to Sky Moore, who's still learning on the fly. If anything, we're fearful of Sky Moore dropping the ball at this point. And then for me, it's also more touches from McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman was involved in the offense yesterday. And you saw what happened when he's touching the football and the way that they even design the offensive plays for him are these jet sweeps where he's basically a returner and you see how much damage he can do. And so it's not just a muff punt. It's certainly part of it, but I, I just think lean into like lean into some, some of the elite parts of your team. And I, last year by not using Tyreek Hill, this year by not using McCole Harmon and, and going with the rookie. I just, I think you're leaving an elite part of your team on the table. And, and so I hope I've made my point. I, I'm not trying to kill sky more because the only way you can get better is by playing. I just think this, this team has too high of aspirations to be developing in that sense. Well, I'm not going to come out and disagree with you on this, Pete. I'm not, wow. but I think it is time for us to have some perspective on this. Who is, the greatest kick returner in Chiefs history. Who would that be? I, I'm assuming you're you're pointing to the human joystick. Yes, Dante Hall. Yes. And in his first two seasons in Kansas City, he didn't have a single return for a touchdown. Had some promising plays, but he also, in those first two seasons, fumbled three times. Mm. Okay? This is part of the deal. You know, uh, Tamarik Vanover, who was also a great kick returner in the early 90s. He had touchdowns in his first couple of seasons as a returner. But in his third season, he fumbled six times. <laughs> OK, so let's let's not get too worked up about this. Yes, he didn't return kicks in college. He's learning something he's never done before. But. Every year, we bring players onto this team who've never worked in a West Coast offense because they don't run that in college, mm -hmm. that have never played in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. And they all have to learn these things. This is just part of what you do when you're in the NFL is learn how to do something different than you did before. And I'll give you one more. Everybody thought Ed Podolak was terrible because as a rookie returner, he was yeah. terrible. And then he turned out to be a career returner for the Chiefs and one of the greatest players in, in the team's history. So I think we need to be have some perspective and not get too worked up about this situation. I don't disagree with you, though. I, I didn't know you were going to come with all these stats in those overalls today. I know you're just throwing <laughs> stat after stat at me. What is your third and final marinated takeaway from this game? Uh, I don't think we're going to expect to see this every game uh, like we saw yesterday. Uh, with the offense, but I think what yesterday's game showed us conclusively is that what the Chiefs are trying to do can work. That it's not, they're not just blowing, you know, <laughs> sunshine. They have come forward with a plan that can 
give the benefits that they expected, that they can get the same kind of production out of multiple receivers than they got out of Tyreek Hill. And I think they demonstrated that yesterday. It We'd be fools to expect it to be like this every week, of course. But the one thing we know now is it can work because yesterday it totally worked. Yeah, I agree. And the first time the Chiefs had two wide receivers over 100 yards since 2000. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're doing something yeah. right when spreading the football around that. That is a speaking of stats. That is a wild, wild stat. My final marinade takeaway. It's a it's a saucy one. I'm going to describe oh. it as saucy. Oh, boy. And it's more of a question than me making a, a takeaway or statement, which is not in the heart of the segment, but I don't care. Whatever it is, this. And here's the question. Is Rashad Fenton the fifth best cornerback on the Chiefs? Interesting question. We haven't had Rashad Fenton now for two straight games, and he, he did struggle early on in the year. And so, you know, as you go through the cornerbacks, you're like, okay, Pete, well, who are you talking about? Well, LeJarius Sneed is one of them. Trent McDuffie, look, he was good for 20 snaps. We're still waiting to find out more about him. Jalen Watson has proven that, to me, he belongs despite being this late-round pick. And then you have the, the curious case of Joshua Williams. Now, let's say the bad. Joshua Williams allowed three touchdowns in two weeks. The final numbers on this game against the 49ers were three catches on five targets for 45 yards. But he did have the interception of that quacker Mm -hmm. in the end zone, the interception. Uh, And it was his second game of his career. And he had the second highest coverage grade on the team from PFF behind Juan Thornhill. And the key point here is this is his second game of his career. And so what that means is you have an unknown ceiling at this point. I mean, we kind of know what Rashad Fenton is. There was one player that Patrick Mahomes was screaming and cursing at during training camp, and his name was Rashad Fenton because all he did was hold Travis Kelsey and then try to try to brag about it. And now I'm not trying to say that players can't th- go through bad stretches and turn it around. The Chiefs have really liked Rashad Fenton, especially yep, they have. as a backup in the slot behind LeJarrius Sneed. They have felt like he's been good on the outside. They, to an extent, feel like they're still developing him. And my point could speak more about the young players in this room even more than Fenton. But I just think it's worth asking the question. Is Rashad Fenton the fifth best cornerback on this team? Because when he's suddenly healthy, and maybe Josh Williams is really starting to put some good games together, short memory and everything like that, you know, is is the wrong player going to be pulled off the field so that another player can can get time? And that extends, you know, if you can make him a starter again, that extends to, to pulling playing time from Jalen Watson. So I just think it's something worth pondering that I've been thinking about as I come out of this game. Well, I don't know the answer to your question, but I think it's a very, I I think it's a very valuable question. And I think it's a question that you want to be asking when you have uh, acquired, you know, what was it? Nine different defensive backs in the draft and free agency. I'm exaggerating, of course, but the chiefs really invested in that position. It was almost nine. Yeah. And so you want to be having this conversation. If you bring in that many players, you want to see them pushing the existing players hard uh, for playing time. So, you know, I don't know the answer to the question, but I'm glad that you're asking it. I'm glad that we are asking it. Those are your world famous marinated takeaways from this Chiefs 44 to 23 win over the San Francisco 49ers. We're entering the bye. So what we're going to do in our next segment is round up the news from last week. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, heading into the bye week. Chiefs are five and two. Now it's time to round up the news from the week that was. And the first news item we have here is that Willie Gay Jr. returned from his four-game suspension. What I found a little bit weird about this was the idea that the Chiefs weren't exactly saying that he was definitely returning this week. I mean, he ended up eventually returning, but it was always a little bit wishy-washy as they were discussing this and in talking with folks that are in the athletic training realm, this is normal. And I know that a lot of fans and, and people were, were saying, well, he's not injured. He just was suspended. And it's like, yeah, but you don't want to just go from not playing for a month to NFL speed. And I, I think right. you did see the Chiefs ease Willie Gay back in. Yeah, I agree. And there might have been some gamesmanship there, although you're telling me that you don't think that happens. But Maybe there might have been there might yeah. have been a little bit of angle. Oh, this of one, that. this one, I, I might think so. Yeah, yeah, uh, th- because you know the the more coy they are, the other team has to plan for more stuff because they got to mm-hmm. account for two different people who might play in his position, not just one. Um, so, it, in a sense, it wasn't that surprising that it took all week, but I thought was especially surprising was that they didn't bring McDuffie back for this game. Um, I would have thought that he would have, uh, after two weeks of practices, been ready to come out and play. But then when I was thinking about this the other day, I I happened to open up the story uh, where he was injured and he was being taken off the field in a cart for his hamstring injury. So maybe... Maybe we should have known right from the beginning that this wasn't going to be a garden variety hamstring. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is something that, you know, you have to really understand where the team is coming from. And I, like, I know everyone is, is, is ready to see Trent McDuffie back, but I, I think the bigger point is you need him in the postseason, yes. especially if he plays as well as he did in that little sample size that we had from the Cardinals game. He really does look like one of these guys who could be, a, a good top cornerback in the league. And the Chiefs said, well, if it's not 100, I, you know, maybe he was 90% this week. And, and mm-hmm. the Chiefs said, well, yeah. if it's not 100%, why, why do it? We, we have the bye week coming up and we, we feel good about our young cornerbacks. And kudos to them for trusting Joshua Williams. We have talked a lot uh, about Steve Spagnuolo's unwillingness to play what mm-hmm. are usually younger players. Now, has he had much of a choice this time around? No, <laughs> they're just full of rookies in that in that cornerback room. But it ended up working out in this game. Was tough last game, uh, but the thought process is: well, next time we'll have Trent McDuffie against the Buffalo Bills if we, if we do see them again. 
Two key Chiefs returned to practice on Thursday with the 49ers ahead, Joe Tooney and Mike Dana. Mike Dana ended up not playing in this game, so that calf has been uh, hindering him since week two. He tried to return or did return against the Buffalo Bills, and then it was uncertain if he played in this game, and so the Chiefs just shut him down. I think, again, John, assuming mm-hmm. because you have the bye week, this will now be you get three weeks essentially off it, the way that it works out, right? Because right, right. you don't end up playing in this game, no game next week, and then you get that whole week. And so I'm sure what they're thinking is by the time that next game rolls around, Mike Dana should be through this calf injury. And he's, we've said it on this podcast, he's an underrated part of, of the Chiefs. Yeah. That I feel like they've been missing 100% Mike Dana from what we saw in training camp in the preseason. Well, I think it's exactly the same argument that we were just discussing with regard to Trent McDuffie. You yeah. know, uh, they they felt that they could get through this game without him better than they could get through the back end of the season with an aggravated injury. So they sit him down. And uh, I, th- I think it was a fine move in this particular instance. Next headline, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy said that they're still looking for the Chiefs run game identity. And no greater sign of that than the story we talked about in the first segment of them switching it up a little bit we did see isaiah pacheco touch the ball first still a running back by committee i still don't know if we have exactly any answers your best rusher in the game was mccall hardman so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> we still know what the identity is but it remains to be seen if they could find that after the bye and heading down the middle of the season and into the stretch as we head into the postseason eventually Joshua williams said he plans to play the next game and make it his best game i had a conversation with him in the locker room this week and now, for a guy that was under the spotlight of the game of the year, allowing two touchdowns, I was really impressed with the head he had on his shoulders, and he allowed another touchdown in this game, and then goes and makes the interception. And mm-hmm. yeah, the mentality is there. He's the developing player that was drafted in the fourth round, and as I said before, I, I think he might be the fourth best cornerback on this team in a pretty good young room of cornerbacks. So I like the the attitude there, John. Yeah, um, there's a lot to like about this young man, and I, I think that we expected a lot more out of him uh, going into the season than we actually saw once the season began, and we've had to readjust our expectations a little bit. Yeah. But the things that we thought about him in training camp are still true. He's still <laughs> He still puts himself in the right position. He's still smart. Um, he's just has, he just has to, you know, go through the process of becoming a, an NFL player who's had some bad stuff happen to him so he can be better. Um, and that's, that's just, you know, this is why Steve Spagnuolo doesn't like to play rookies. <laughs> it's because they yeah. make mistakes sometimes, you know? And so. Uh, so you, 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 you gotta be, you gotta understand that as you go into this and see that, yes, he's had some plays that have gone badly, but he's also played well. Even if Fenton becomes healthy and then you have McDuffie that becomes healthy, it's my opinion. So my opinion only. <clears throat> I think the three best cornerbacks on this team are Snead, McDuffie, and, and Watson. I think next up might be Williams. And, I mean, I don't know how much more playing time he's going to get, but it's it's damn good that he got these two starts, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if one of these guys goes down again, now you feel just a lot better. I mean, it, do you feel tremendous about one of those top three quote-unquote guys? no, you, you don't want them to be available, but it's better than now Williams having to be thrown in the fire with no experience at all. Mm-hmm. You've got a right. taste of it. And I think that, I think right. that's really good for the depth of the room. 
Sunday's loss to the Bills could have turned on a special teams play. John, you covered this for us, and it was something that was caught by you and then our lead analyst, Ron Kopp, helped with cutting the film. Essentially, uh, the Chiefs were close to breaking one off uh, as far as a, a, a re- return, and we did see the Pacheco return. So what did, what did you cover in, in this article? Well, what Tobe said was that they were one block away from yeah. Nicole Hardman's uh, return in the Bills game being a touchdown. And I believe you asked him the question, didn't you? Was it you that asked him whether they deliberately put him in hoping for a big play? And and he said, he, yeah. and he said, yeah, that's what we were doing, the same way we used to do with Tyreek Hill. Now, the reason why I found this particularly interesting is that if you'd asked any Chiefs fan after the Bills game, you know, what had happened on that, they would yeah. have said, well, Hardman was an idiot. He muffed the catch. <laughs> And Tobe's yeah. perspective, I thought, was very interesting All right. that, you know, they figured that it was going to be a 45 yard punt. So that's where they put Hardman on the field. I mean, they figure this stuff out going into the game. What kind of range can we expect from punter X who's playing against us? And the guy booms a 65 yard kick, the longest one he's kicked all season. Hardman is backpedaling, is still backpedaling when he has to make the catch and muffs it. It's not as if he was just standing there (laughs) in the spot where they'd planned and and failed to catch the ball. So sometimes in a situation like this, that works out well. He's able to get away from the coverage, all the coverage. When you look at the all 22 that that Ron provided us that was in the article, all the coverage went to his left on the field. So he moved to the right where there wasn't much coverage and there were a lot more red jerseys and broke several tackles. And truly, there was really only one Bills player who stopped him. And if they'd managed to get a guy on that dude, there was nobody. The punter had even gone off to the left. Yeah, if you <laughs> so, haven't seen what we're talking about, go and go back and, and, and to this article and watch the play. It was really interesting to me. It almost reminded me of football instead of football in the way that they were <laughs> setting up. Chess, mm-hmm. like almost chess piece wise like okay if that level can get one more block we're we're gonna score and right you, you wouldn't have noticed that if we hadn't pulled the all 22 and that that's that's why people love the fact that the nfl has done its best to make it available nfl plus and and game pass have not always been tremendous but we do what right. we can we can ron ron cop um, does his best to to get us the the key place to to note as we head to each and every game next up Harrison Butker brings stability back to the Chiefs kicking game. I hope we didn't jinx him with that headline because (laughs) he he has a knack for hitting these longer field goals. And I don't think I'm ready to call it the yips on the shorter ones, but it's something to note. I don't know if it's something to be overly concerned about, but it's gotten to the point where it raises your eyebrows that 40 sub 45 seems to give him more problems than 50 plus. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I've seen a couple of things about this that I find interesting. I've seen some speculation that's putting it on Townsend, the holder, okay, and that the miss on Sunday was tilting to one side. I haven't gone to look at this myself, but I've seen that discussion right. going on. And then there's also been a discussion going on about which hash mark that Butker likes better and that he was on, I believe, the right hash in this, mm. and for that kick where he has difficulty you know, getting it to line up the right way. I don't know. 
again, I haven't looked at that film to see or done any kind of research to see if he's more accurate from one hash or the other. But, you know, um, that that's one of those things that enters into play calling, too, that people don't realize is that when it's third down and you recognize you might have to kick a field goal after this play, you're going to run to the side where your kicker is most effective. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, not necessarily where the play is is uh, could get better yardage. Um, so, uh, I think there's a lot of stuff to unpack there and I don't think Butker has the yips. I really don't. I think he's a, I think he's, he's too good. He's been too good over his career, especially with these long kicks to be somebody yeah, he, who can, can get the yips. So he dives, he dives deep into it. Like sometimes I'm listening to him talk and I'm like, he's like wind and rotation and yeah. Is there overthinking going on? I, I almost think that <laughs> is there. Are you putting too much into it? I mean, back, not to be back in my day guy, but back in my day, it was like, hold the ball well and boot it, man. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> but it is. What I'm it sorry. Is. I'm only the one just, I'm only the, I'm the only person that's allowed to say back in my day on this show. Now, come yeah, on. That's right. Come I'm, on. I'm, I'm stomping on your territory here. Um, <laughs> By the way, left hash, right hash. My personal preference, preference corned beef hash. Beautiful <laughs> breakfast food. I know that some people like to hate on corned beef hash. It's delicious if, you, if you're cooking it right. I, I, All right I, I've had some that's good. Some that's good. not so good. But yeah. you got to go to like one of those old school diners. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. when it's the best. All right. Last uh, news story. And we'll lump this into one. There's a report that the Chiefs are a strong contender to sign wideout Odell Beckham. You're wondering where that's coming from. The agent. And Andy Reid addressed the Odell Beckham situation, of course, saying that that's a Brett Veach thing. They're always trying to get better, complimented the player, but nothing imminent on that front. And after yesterday's game, you wonder if they even really need Odell Beckham Jr., not that you wouldn't take any any kind of weapon. My whole point on this, and I'm not sure if I've said it on the podcast network here, but I just I think it's a bigger deal for the Buffalo Bills not to get Odell Beckham Jr. than the Chiefs to get him. And so... That's just how I feel about it. I don't know if the Chiefs necessarily need him, but I think it makes the Odell, I think it makes the Buffalo Bills significantly better because in a way you're upgrading Beckham over Isaiah McKenzie. And I just think, you know, I'm thinking about Davis and Diggs and, and Beckham. And to the point of, well, why are you worried about the Buffalo Bills? Because the Chiefs want to win the conference. And so the division stinks. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the division. <laughs> Chargers got rolled by the Seahawks. Yeah. The Raiders finally got another win against the Texans. The Broncos are starting Brett Ripien, who I think might actually be a better option than what Russell Wilson is now. The like I don't. I hope I'm not ultimately jinxing in here, but the division is over in my mind. I mean, it is. Yeah. It is just not as good. The AFC East is the premier division. We were dumb for thinking that the. I I was also dumb. I mean, I'll admit it. I mean, we all thought it was going to be this this historic competitive division. And so for me, you know, I'm watching the Buffalo Bills. I'm watching the Cincinnati Bengals who've been resurgent after after a tough start. I'm watching the Baltimore Ravens. I know they were they they were able to get the win yesterday. They've dropped some bad games as well, but it's the AFC. This is this is the Chiefs mm -hmm. at this point. Right. And and so that's why, you know, I, I think about Buffalo and Von Miller and saying, well, it's a done deal. He's gonna be coming to Buffalo. I just I don't want to see that if I'm I'm the Chiefs and literally anywhere else, I, I think you're fine. In that sense, that's just my take on OBJ. Anything you got on that? Well, I think it's I think it's okay for people to be excited about the possibility of getting a free agent player. You know, whether it's Odell Beckham Jr., whether it's Brian Burns, 
you know, any of these people that we've been talking about in the last weekend as the in last week as the trade deadline approaches, it'll be a week from Tuesday. Right. For those keeping track at home, four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Eastern time, three o'clock Arrowhead time. Right. Yes. Four o'clock Eastern. Um, so I, I, it's OK for people to be excited about this, but I think we need to temper our expectations, particularly with regard to Beckham, because they're saying he's not going to be ready until December to yeah. get out and play. And okay, yeah, maybe he could be a weapon for you in the postseason. But does anybody really think that he's going to get enough snaps to manner in Andy Reid's offense if he comes to the team in December? You know, we're not talking about a defensive lineman here. You know, this is not Terrell Suggs who can come in and contribute or um, Melvin Ingram who can come in and contribute on the defensive line. We're talking about a guy who has to know where all the other receivers are on every play. And I'm not sure Beckham can do that in the space of a few weeks and make a significant difference. So I'm not convinced the Chiefs are all that interested. Yes, they were before, but that was a whole different circumstance, not middle of the season like we are now. And we just knew that Odell was healthy last year. No right. One, no one knows what he's going to look like coming off right. of that second ACL. I, I don't know. Right. I don't mean to be down on Odell because I, I know that people would, would love to see him in Kansas City. Sure. I just think the bigger deal is not Buffalo. But that's just where I fall on it. You can have your own opinions out there, and we appreciate those as well. All right. That wraps up the news roundup here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. When we come back, Steve's going to join us for – what did I call this? I, I, I don't have the teaser for me. The burning, the burning the questions bur we have. The burning questions, yes. The burning questions we have entering the bye week. Stay with us. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, now joined by the Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta. Steve, welcome to the show. How did you enjoy yesterday's game? It was fantastic. It's also bye week. So I have recorded a lot of podcasts today. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is like the fourth, fifth podcast appearance I've made this morning. Serta, and look at him. You know what he's doing right there. He's telling you, we don't care. It's the bye week. You are going to have content on this Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. No days off, especially when you pre record like Steve, a seasoned veteran. <laughs> in this media business all right let's go into our burning questions we, we're each gonna have one i've prepared three and so if we have a repeat because john and i think a lot of like steve's always off the beaten path we don't have to worry about steve but uh <laughs> just in case we have a similar burning question i will have a, a couple here i'll let you know if, if we repeat john but we'll let you start on this one then we'll go to steve and then then i will go what is your burning question entering the bye week well, I thought that Matt Stagner made a great point in his Winners and Losers article from last night on ArrowheadPride.com. And that is, if the offense is clicking as it was yesterday, you don't have to look at the All-22 to know that the offensive line was really playing well. And that's exactly right, because it all starts on the offense with those guys protecting Patrick Mahomes, which they did on Sunday, and creating lanes for uh, running backs. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's touchdown run was all on the backs of some fine blocking from the offensive line. We haven't really been seeing that from the offensive line consistently this season. So my burning question is, is this a fluke? Or is this something that we might see more often uh, after the bye week? I, I think that that's a good point. And and I, I, I mean, I, I've really seen 
the Chiefs, when they win this year, it's because the offensive line is playing well. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think the offensive line, as, as a unit, needs to understand that if they play like this, the Chiefs may, may run the table. Like that, That's how good they can possibly be. And I just think it, it's such an important part. I think that hole for Clyde Edwards-Alaire on that 16-yard touchdown that you mentioned, it was gaping. And I think sometimes a lot of people get on these Chiefs running backs, and they haven't had a lot to work with this year. That's the reality. The offensive line is a thankless position because when they win, we're not really talking about the offensive line. When they lose, they are just under the microscope of microscopes. So <laughs> it's good It's good to see that they have been able to play a good game, and, and you see the difference. A good game against the Bucks, 41-31 to 31 win. Probably could have been more. Same thing with the Raiders, where they were able to turn it, turn it on and turn that game around after the Chiefs were in a big hole, and then you saw the 44-23 to 23 win yesterday. So I think that's a good question, John. All right, Steve, what's your question? I, I've been thinking about this all morning, and there, oh, there's boy. a lot of there there, there's a lot of ways. I Planets, can welcome to Planet, Steve. Um, what, what do you have for us? But <laughs> what what I kept coming back to is really about the defense and just what is the second half ceiling of this defensive unit as a whole? Because I don't think we've seen close to what their ceiling is so far through seven weeks. They're still five and two. They're you know, they're making it work with the makeshifts group of corners right now in a fourth round rookie and a seventh round rookie and Legereus Sneed just playing all over the field kind of in this like hybrid Tyron Matthew role almost like uh, as a slot corner. But he's kind of playing like a safety moving all over the place for spags and yeah. And that's a product of the personnel that they have right now because they just haven't been healthy. And, you know, Willie Gay was kind of in a rotation yesterday, but I would expect after the bye week, he's going to jump back up to like 90% of the defensive snaps on a weekly basis. And I I think that he will help their turnover issues. I think Willie Gay has shown a a big knack for that so far in his career. And I think he will be a big answer there because it's something they've really been lacking on defense but I, I still don't think that we've seen close to the potential of what this defense can be when they're fully healthy, when they've got all the personnel that they want to have out there on the field. And so I, I think you should be really, really optimistic about this Chiefs defensive performance through the first seven weeks. And I don't think we've seen how good they can actually be just yet. And to piggyback on that point as well, I don't think Thornhill and Reed have really hit their stride yet. I, I don't think they've played their best games. We know that Thornhill had pl- promised the all-pro season. He's going to have to have quite a second half for that to happen. And I, I think there's there's been times where Justin Reed hasn't necessarily been the honey badger-like player that we thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. He's, been, he's yeah. been fine. He's been solid. Right. Has he been that, that game-breaker? I, I don't think so yet. So you can only go up. And I've been pretty impressed with the defense. Like, if you told me this was what the defense was going to look like, especially given the injuries at this stage, John, I would be very satisfied preseason if you promised me that. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, statistically, they're they're down a bit from where they were a year ago. But, of course, a year ago, after seven games, they were near the bottom of the league, like, you know, 32nd in some of these statistics. And they're not that low now. So, in a sense, that's an improvement. And if they end up playing as well in the back half of the season as they did in the back half of last season, well, they'll end up being better than they were last year because they've had a stronger start to the season. So, yeah, those things are all positive. That's not to say there aren't some problems, but I think it's fair to say that some of these injuries and circumstances like Willie Gay's suspension 
have played into this. I'm very disappointed that Tershawn Wharton is going to be gone for the rest of the season. That's going to be a big set of shoes to fill. Um, I think like, like Michael Dana, uh, Dana, uh, he's a guy that, uh, that is kind of underappreciated on the defensive line. Um, but I agree with Steve that uh, the defense's ceiling is a real question, and I'm anxious to see what it is, too. On the Turk question, Colin Saunders has just been a pleasant surprise. And yes, and that, that gives uh, me the, the segue to tell you that this week at Arrowhead Pride, we are going to be revealing our Arrowhead Pride bi-week awards. I don't know how many years we've done it. I think this is the third year. So I'm going to say <laughs> the maybe third annual Arrowhead Pride <laughs> bi-week awards. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if Colin Saunders takes home our, our most improved. We have seven of them that we'll be running throughout the bi-week at, at AP. And Steve, I believe we'll be doing a pod on it, right? Yes, that will be coming out this Thursday. So be on the lookout. Okay, let's go into my questions. Man, I, I thought we'd be on the same page here, but you guys didn't say any of them. So I'm gonna, <laughs> we have about 10 minutes. I'm going to run through them quickly. Um, will the Chiefs make a trade? I think we all are wondering that. I, I know that they've made the money. John, it's 3.5. Just right now, they have about 3 million in cap space. Yeah. 3 million in cap space. You can be creative with that, with the not likely to be earned incentives that sure, yeah. loves and we'll see if they end up making a move. You don't have to trade for Odell again. He's just on the street right now. So we'll see if the chiefs sign him, but a trade you never know. And maybe it's for a player that we haven't really been talking about. Brett beach has shown a smart aggression and we will see if they end up making a move here. Maybe they feel like they're a piece away. I'll go through the other two. And if you guys have comments on them, you can go, go in and, and fill us in. Second one I have is, will Patrick Mahomes win another MVP? Especially with last week's game, he is beginning to be right there on par with Josh Allen. I think this mm-hmm. is going to be really fun, speaking of watching the Buffalo Bills, because I think these guys might be at the end of the season and be going neck and neck when it comes to, t- to statistics, similar to what you see sometimes in like a baseball home run race, speaking of dating myself. But will Patrick Mahomes... <laughs> Win another MVP. I think he'll be going added with Allen, especially toward the end of the year. And then speaking of the Bills, will the Buffalo Bills lose to the Green Bay Packers? You may not have a team to root for next week. Well, surprise, surprise, you do. On And I'm going to be a company man here on KSHB 41. You could watch the Buffalo Bills hosting the Green Bay Packers. The, the Packers are 10 and a half point underdogs. And man, that 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 has to piss off Aaron Rodgers and, and that Packers team. And, and the Chiefs need them to lose games. There's no other way to say it. There's one AFC buy. It's not the days of, of two buys. Mm-hmm, you right. want to get ahead of them in the standings. So they're coming back to Kansas City as opposed to having to go to Central New York in the cold. Trust me, I went to school there. It's freezing cold. and It's not a great place to play in Buffalo with screaming fans. So you need the Chiefs to have a better record. So I think even as early as now, we're on, on Buffalo Bills watch because if the Chiefs can get a game ahead at any point this year, Man, I could see this version of Patrick Mahomes stepping on their throat, running the table, and making sure this thing gets done. Remember, the Chiefs need a better outright record than Buffalo to have the AFC buy. So my three quick questions. Will the Chiefs make a trade? Will Patrick Mahomes win another MVP? And will the Bills lose to the Packers next week? John, you have any comments on that? Well, I'm not sure the Chiefs will make a trade. I think that Brett Veach would rather use all those picks around the draft to make changes rather than get a player for half the season. But that's just me. He may have an entirely different idea. As you say, he can be aggressive about these things. Um, I'm a, I'm a little concerned about having to put all of my hopes on the Packers 
the Packers. <laughs> well, well, luckily, it's week week eight as opposed yeah, to week seventeen. I, we can, I, I'm not just beat the Bills. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm just not real comfortable with the idea that they might beat know. the Bills See, this week. I'm starting but, to you know, feel like there's an in-house bet brewing between the three of us <laughs> in some way. <laughs> Yeah, I but I haven't watched all of their games. I happened to see the tail end of the game against no, been, the Commanders yesterday. And, they've been bad. Uh, they've been they've yeah. been pretty bad. But yeah, this is Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football. So right, we'll right, right. So uh, Steve, you, you got know, anything on that stuff? Um, I just don't think the Packers can put up points, and they're not good. So no, I I wouldn't put a lot of stock in that. But hey, let's root for the upset. I know it's yeah. raining outside in Kansas City. I did not expect this much rain on my parade and inside here with want my my <laughs> final my final burning question <laughs> that wraps up the arrowhead pride editor show for this week it's not this it's not the exact steve you're you're on with us right now what what can fans expect for the arrowhead pride podcast network this week and during the bye yeah so we've still got stuff coming out for you each and every day this week you'll still have daily podcasts like you're used to here on the arrowhead pride feed we've just got some different shows coming up so everybody can take a little bit of a break Tuesday, Out of Structure, still going to be there available for you. Ron Cop, Matt Sagner broke down everything that you need to know from the Chiefs win over the 49ers. On Wednesday, we'll still have an Arrowhead drive on Wednesday morning. And then we are going to have a bi-week podcast where I sat down with Rocky Magana, Maurice Elston, and Nate Christensen, uh, all of our fantastic contributors at Arrowhead Pride. And we just went over some of our bi-week observations and, and things that we're, that we're hoping the Chiefs will address over the bi-week, so things to pay attention to coming out of the bi-week. On Thursday, we will have the Arrowhead Pride bi-week awards, so I will be dis- discussing those with our guy, Zach Gunter. That's going to be coming up Thursday. And then Friday, we will have a fresh episode of the AFC West Mixtape. Well, there you go. It's the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, go on over to Apple iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. We like five stars. If you leave us a review, like we did for our guy Clint, we will read it on the show. And that's it. That's the bye week for Steve Serta and John Dixon. My name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 